chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. You hear that new theme song, but same old BC. In your ear hole, performance enhancing audio is back, pro wrestling style. It is the State of Combat podcast, and folks, never say never on a few different things. So that means you proved me right. Yes, Roman, yes, indeed. Uh, we got another pro wrestling edition today, because never say never, we got an interview you just have to hear. 30 years in the making it is Mean Mark. It is The Undertaker. And the ultimate thrill ride. Say it, Mark. Will be your last ride. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, he's going to be here. You got to hear this. Fantastic. Shout out to the Silver King. Remember that guy? For getting this pod interview secured with the great folks at WWE. Of course, it's about this fantastic docuseries on the WWE Network. Undertaker, The Last Ride. And we got 30-plus minutes today with Take. Uh, Talking, you know, talking all things up and down the road, you know. Uh, He's given some incredible interviews promoting this documentary. And uh, this is another one because he's real. He's bringing it. He's showing you the real real man underneath that. And uh, you couldn't ask for anything more. You ask him about it, he's going to answer it. From the streak ending to life with Vince behind the curtain, all that and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It is your boy, BC. And uh, who would have thought I'd be back in this chair doing a little wrestle vision with you? Uh, we're going to have the interview. I'll give you a nice little breakdown of it. Maybe even share my thoughts on the pro wrestling world in general on the back end of that. Um, it's been a long time since we've eaten the pie around here. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Don't we all? All righty then. Um, how you been, folks? You know, how you been? You still, you still watching? You still watching that product? Um, enjoy it, okay? Um, I've been great. I've been great. Uh, MMA's back. Boxing coming back. Hopefully, you are all doing well in this crazy, unprecedented quarantine season. Um, it's a struggle, man. Physical, mental. Obviously, the. Uh, R.I.P. George Floyd, Floyd, everything that that has gone on as a result of that tragedy has uh, really shaken things up. So hopefully you can use this podcast today as an opportunity to press pause, you know, get get away from the scene for a little bit and, and just, you know, chill out and enjoy. I can't I can't promise everything from this podcast, but it, it probably will entertain you at least. This will protect you. Yeah. This will love you. This will guide you yes. in this We'll make you the god of wrestling. Uh, well, something like that, okay? Um, I'm happy to be here, though. Happy to be here, as always. Uh, look, if you like this show, if you like what we're giving you each week from the standpoint of mixed martial arts, boxing, and, you know, the occasional pro wrestling interview. We had some good ones of late with Jim Ross, Chris Jericho, and more. Uh, spread it. Spread it forward. Spread it wide. Spread it deep. Five-star review season. Always. Always upon us. If you see something, say something. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find fine audio. Google Pods, J-Day, where Look, if you can find it, grind her. God, I just met her. Uh, if you can find it, you know, give give some love for the pod. That's what I'm talking about, all right? Look at all of this crap in this ring. Man, I haven't had that button in a long time. R.I.P. Mean Gene. Shout out to Gino. Put that cigarette out. Yes, indeed. Um, So... I got a lot to say on Taker. You know my history with with, with, uh, the character of The Undertaker. It's been up and down. It's been bumpy. It's been wild, which is, you know, in a lot of ways, what makes this whole experience that the man Mark Calloway is doing so interesting and fun and exciting is that we never knew that man in the in the era of dirt sheets and 
docu-series and social media, reality TV, all that. We, this is the last, you know, him and Vince are the last of the Mohicans, so to speak. Uh, you know, Dark Side of the Ring, the great series on Vice, they're not doing an Inside the Undertaker special. We, until now, we did not know this man, so we formed opinions. And as it turns out from watching this documentary, this guy's real. He he hates the Roman match at 33 as much as we did. And and he's here, you know, on the do- on the dock, on the interviews to talk about that and I respect that a lot. A hell of a lot. Um I will not be putting out the Patrick Ewing in a Sonics or Magic jersey meme anymore. Um I cannot tell you the 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 180 I've pulled from watching this and from talking to him today. Uh more on that to come in the aftermath here, but uh uh, not going to waste too much long, to, you know, too much more time before getting right into this thing. Um, but, you know, shout out to everybody. Mazel! That's fantastic news! Exactly. Uh, shout out to you, the listener. Uh, shout out to uh, Cody. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Cody's doing big things, okay? Cody's doing things I like. I don't watch all wrestling these days, but Cody is uh, is all I thought he could be and then some. So shout out to Cody. Are you guys ready for a revolution? Always, always, always. But, uh, you know, without any further ado, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a pause for the cause. And on the other side, it's wrestling legend. WWE superstar then, now, and forever. The Undertaker, Mark Calloway, bringing it, coming raw, uh, keeping us happy. I love a happy ending. Uh, I couldn't be more, more pleased to present this to you. Enjoy. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. It's an honor and a pleasure, sir. Never say never, but we have you. Never say never. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, sir. The star, of course, of the great docuseries, Undertaker, The Last Ride, airing now on the WWE Network, part four. Going to make its debut June 14th, same night, by the way, as WWE Backlash. Uh, Take Taker, uh, it's weird calling you that. It's weird talking to you, and that's a testament to your protection of, of you know, arguably the greatest character. And we know why you're doing this now, and we love that. Journalists, fans, we can't believe it. What's it like for you 30 years later to so candidly answer all of our questions and just come, you know, naked after so long? Uh, it, it has been... It- it's been unusual, believe me, um, and it's taken me it, it's taken me a while to completely let my guard down. Um, I just had to fight the natural instinct to protect and 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 not talk about things. But uh, once we decided that we were going to do this, uh, you know this this whole docu series that was uh, <laughs> funny enough is. I'd have cameras, the cameras following me and, and sometimes forget that I'd ask them to follow me and record all this and like yell at the guys like, Hey, why are you, <laughs> why are you filming me? You know, you're not supposed to be filming me. And then they're like, uh, you ask us to, I was like, Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, so yeah, it's taken me, um, it's taken me a while to, to kind of get used to this, but, uh, uh, I'm I'm really happy that I decided to do this and um, and give a little bit of uh, a perspective into uh, what it's like to be the Undertaker. I guess. Uh, look, it hasn't disappointed to wait this long to finally get you. 
uh, you've brought it. You know, I say it, it, coincidentally, this launched, of course, around the same time as the Michael Jordan doc. And that documentary doesn't hit with the same impact unless Jordan's willing to be that salty and be real. Your documentary doesn't work unless you're willing to be this candid and and really vulnerable, Mark. And I think that's that's the the hook of this. You're you know, whether it's you criticizing your own performance in the WrestleMania 33 main event or anything else, you've been as real as we could have hoped for. Uh, was there what was that? Was that a hard process to do? Was it hard to be the tough guy that it, that is so revered? And then come out and say, look, uh, that was a crap match. You know, how was that process for you? Well, I've always been, um, uh, you know, I've always been tough on myself more so than anybody else. Uh, so that aspect of it, uh, um, you know, not so bad. I, you know, I, I never was one to watch my matches back in front of anybody else. I always had to be alone and, 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 and dissect things. I didn't want somebody there you know, going, Oh man, that was awesome. This, that was great. I wanted, you know, I wanted to pick apart my matches in a sense that, okay, what could I buy? What could I have done that made this better? And that was just kind of the way I've always approached, you know, watching game film for no better, you know, better term, but, um, you know, it, to, to, but to, to let everybody else in on that, um, you know, like it was, it, it was unusual and, and, um, and I don't know, it was, uh, like I said, I had to, I had to fight my natural instincts to, to open up and, um, but you're right. It, it, this thing doesn't work if, if I'm trying to work, you know what I mean? Right. If I'm trying, if I'm trying to be half character and half, human whatever else it was just not going to work and people would have saw through it so i had to i had to drop the i had to drop the veil and and let everyone in and and see what it what it's all about great stuff uh you know the documentary does a lot of focus i think rightfully so on on your legacy and how much that's tied into consistency and longevity. And a lot of that is obviously the physical grind, the in-ring cost and the documentary, you know, sums that up your surgeries all above and beyond that. But I've got more of a question personally, you've thrived and survived during eras of this business that have chewed up and spit out its competitors. You've watched, you know, a lot of your brethren pass away, unfortunately, how personally have you been able to survive this long and, and you know, and still be on top and still be, you know, a solid human being and a family man? How did you get here and survive all this? Well, it, it, I mean, it's not easy. And um, it, it takes a it, it takes a huge commitment to um, to to wanting to be on top and stay on top. And you you start by not believing all the, your own hype. Um, I, I, you know, the one thing that I never was, was content. Uh, and I'm a firm believer in that once you become content with where you are, you, you, you stop to grow, you stop growing and, and you stop getting better. So, and that's, that's one thing that I like, I like to, I tell young guys that I, that I talk to or mentor with is like, you can never become content. Um, and being that like you have to, you have to keep your finger on the pulse of not only your audience, um, but how you, you're feeling and then how your audience is feeling and you have to be willing to make changes. And sometimes you have to come out of your comfort zone of what you're doing for the sake of letting that character grow and, and, and keep up with the times. And prime example of that was, um, you know, the, the attitude era when I switched, you know, when I switched the character up and went to the American badass, you know, yes, I kept elements of the old character, but there's no way that I don't think, I mean, I would have survived the attitude error if I would have been handcuffed in that old mainstream Undertaker character. True. I mean, 
you know, everybody else, the shackles had come off, man. Everybody's cutting these crazy promos and, you know, everything was, everything was going on and throwing the kitchen sink and everything else out there. Um, it would have been very difficult, uh, for me to, to compete in that, in that, uh, environment. So that was why I had to, you know, I had to change up. I, one, I was feeling a little bit stale, uh, because to be to do that character right, you have to stay within the confines of of that character, and and that's hard to do sometimes, especially when you have a lot that you feel that you haven't tapped into. So switching that character allowed me to uh, show a whole nother side to my uh, my wrestling ability and or you know my personality and all of that. And then because I did keep some of the elements, I was able to go back to it and make it all fresh and new again. Um, but it's, it's not easy. And it's to, to try to keep, keep that going for 30 years is it's been, um, you know, you just can never take your foot off the throttle. Well, your protection of, of the character, you know, can't be overstated. The, the, uh, how rare that is, the impact that it's had on your, on your success and longevity. Uh, I mean, you, up until this series, you're protecting kayfabe like no one else in an era where that's, you know, a bygone, you know, product. I mean, it's dirt sheets. It's, it's documentaries. It's, you know, everyone wants more in the social media era and we got less of right. you. So. Um, there's also a price, though, to pay. You know, I talked to Jim Ross recently and said, can we ever get back to full-on kayfabe? And he says, you know, the, the toothpaste is out of the container, so to speak. Are there any elements right. of the business today that, that, that you're just not okay with? You know, how far has, has the removal of kayfabe gone to the, to the negative level? Yeah, I, 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 really, think, um, I really think that it's, that it's, it's hurt. Um, yeah, it's one like I said for me, trying to protect the character, um, you know, it was obviously much easier before cell phones and 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 the internet exploded. But it, you know, it just it's just tough for me. Like, and you were talking about me being one of the last ones to kayfabe. I would actually cringe when I would hear interviews and and like like I'm doing now. But but it, I would just cringe like to hear people openly discuss angles and, and, and it just like, to me, it just drops the whole mystique of, of the business. And I, I like that part of the business. I, I really did. I like being able to get to uh, a Monday night and be able to actually do something that surprises the audience instead of everybody already knowing, um, you know, knowing everything. Um, yeah, I, I really think social media, for all it's good, but it's, you know, it drives me nuts to to see someone trying to be this character on TV and then go to social media, and you know they're just being themselves. And but there's such a contrast. I mean, could you imagine back in the day you see the Undertaker at a, at a match and and the presentation that I give. And then the next thing you do, you see me, um, you know, at my house, like water in the yard. I mean, it's just like, what a, what a disconnect. And I, I think, I think, you know, although everyone understands what the business is now and, but still it's just like, there's gotta be some part, there's gotta be a mystique to it. uh, Or you just kind of, you, you just, you're just losing part of the essence of what it is that wrestling is. And, um, I, uh, I wish we could, I wish we could put some of that toothpaste back in the tube. I think it would be better, you know, f- you know, for the business. I think it would be better. I think there's just, I always, okay, I'll use this analogy and I'm t- sorry to be so long winded on it, but it's like the best, like the best horror films were, was the stuff like, um, like the movie Psycho? I don't know if you ever saw it. It's old, you know. It's a real old school horror movie, and you don't see any of the gore. Right. You're scared out of your pants. 
because of the of the dramatic the dramatic build in the theater of the mind more opposed to what some of the slasher horror movies are to now where it's just all out there and it's just like you know it's just not as scary because you don't get to use the theater of the mind like because your mind is is always going to have a more you know a, a more scary thought than what it is that you're going to see and I just I don't uh, I just kind of got long winded but it, it's just there's just too much there's just too much backstage inside info out there I think in my opinion uh, than needs to be I think there needs to be there needs to be that element of surprise and not knowing everything that's going to happen before it happens. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, hearing some of your interviews uh, after this doc came out was really interesting. And everybody's got either the someone's advice in their brain or someone's insult in their brain. That that's a voice we hear. And you told a great story of of breaking in with WCW early in your career and having the Booker Ole Anderson tell you, you know, no one's ever going to pay to see you wrestle, and having that be a a constant motivational voice. Have you ever been able to give Ole the receipt for that? Have you ever seen him and said, "How do you like me now? I'm the damn Undertaker." No, I, I have never. I haven't seen Ole since that meeting, and uh, like I don't. I don't look. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me, really, um, because I was. You know, I was naive enough to think that okay, this is this is where I wanted to be. I was more, uh, I was more of a mainstream. I thought I was a more mainstream wrestler, which you know, WCW was more mainstream, and Vince's deal was really over the top with all the characters. And uh, you know, like I said, motivation the greatest thing that ever happened to me. So I don't have any ill will, um, and no need to. You know the, the 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 proof is in in the results. That's all. You know they're the one that's got to look themselves and go. Well, I guess we missed the boat on that one. But uh, um, you know it was great for me. It motivated me. Um, it motivated me to to work my ass off through the years and and like I said, never be content. And and um, it it is what it is. I that, that's not my. You know, that's not, I'm not the kind of person that's going to come back and say, I told you, you dumbass. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I said, it's it turned out to be the best thing that ever could happen to me. Well, you've like we mentioned, I'm just glad that Vince didn't have this. <laughs> I'm glad Vince didn't have the same opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you mentioned Vince and, and your relationship with him is is, I think, the star of this documentary, because if there's anyone you know, we said The Undertaker was so well protect, protected. Well, so is Vince to a large deal in terms of who the man really is. Seeing you two joke together, seeing you having credence to, you know, be real with him that maybe other people don't, it was touching. And I think the big moment, the big reveal in, in some of the early episodes is, you know, when Vince is asked about the impact of you staying with the company through the Attitude Era and you being the rock, not, not the Dwayne Johnson, but the rock that Vince could always depend on you saw the reaction. He couldn't even talk. He went to tears. We don't expect that out of the old man. Uh, how touched were you watching back that moment? Um, yeah, uh, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised um, with that. Obviously, Vince and I have had many moments uh, together like that, and um, you know, we've shared parts of our lives. Uh, together and uh having just a, a, a really uh, a really uncommon bond in this business uh, especially when you consider like you know he's the boss and I'm the employee kind of a deal which at this point we really don't look at it like that for the most part I mean we're friends and um uh you know I've taken you know I've taken a little bit of highbrow look to, and, and, and crap for saying that I take a bullet for the man. Um, but you know, that, that, that is my, that's my reality. And, and that's how much I think of him. And, um, you know, it, it's, 
It's good. I mean, I think it, it really, like I said, it's just another layer that gets peeled back in this doc, and 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 you see. Uh, I don't think people, uh, or, you know, anybody really sees that in Vince, and they don't have any clue to uh, what a because of what they see on TV. They have no idea what a kind and and generous human being that Vince is. You know, he's always the tyrant, or you know, he's always that, but um, you do get a little glimpse into into what the man really is. Well, we know he's a great river take, so you gotta have oh you gotta have a great story for us here. This guy will throw throw his kids in the pool. He loves a practical joke. What do you got for me? Oh my god, he and I'm his favorite target. Just FYI, <laughs> I mean, he just. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, this is. This is really good, and I'll try and make it as quick as I can. So I don't remember which which mania that it was, but I had this really nice jacket made, um, and it was it, it fit kind of it, it fit kind of tight, and it was you know sometimes it becomes tricky with my my MMA gloves to get coats off and everything. Well, I wore it at WrestleMania; the, the coat comes off perfectly. Um, without a hitch. So it was a couple of months later. I think it was the, I think we were in St. Louis and it was the, I don't know if it was the 700th uh, episode of Raw, but they made a big deal and uh, they invited, or they invited, they asked me to come do a segment with Kane and we were going to wrestle two guys and, uh, you know, kind of a squash match, kind of a deal. Well, anyway, everybody's in the ring. Kane makes his entrance. I make my entrance. I come in. I take. I go to take my coat off. Well, the coat folds over, so it's. <laughs> I can't get the damn coat. And this is Monday Night Raw, right? So we're live, live, and I can't get this coat off of my gloves. And you know, I, I realize it, and I look over to, in the corner at Kane, and he's like, "All I can read is his lips, which were like." Oh shit! <laughs> so, all right. So, needless to say, so they're shooting around, and finally, I get uh, I, I get one of the the ring crew guys to grab the bottom, and finally, they they get this coat off of me, right? Without it being too big of a of a scene, and 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 obviously a, a big joke. So, now we jump forward a couple of more months down the line, and. Uh, <laughs> So we were, they were in San Antonio. I live in Austin, Texas. So they were in San Antonio and it was going to be Shawn Michaels appreciation night. And Vince calls me and says, Hey, uh, do you want to, do you want to come be part of Shawn Michaels appreciation night? And I said, of course I do. Obviously he goes, okay, well I want it to be a surprise for him. So when you get to the arena, um, we're going to have a bus there that you can stay on all day until we don't want to know you're here and we all this yada, 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 right? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's great. I'll just hang out on the bus. So I don't know. So now I get there. I hang out on the bus for about two, three hours, right? And then finally somebody comes and gets me. I think it was Michael Hayes. And, and he goes, Vince wants to rehearse this. I'm like, what do you mean he wants to rehearse this? This is supposed to be a surprise. This is going to be a. I mean, we're going to we're going to give it all away right now. I said, no, I'm going to stay on the bus. So he leaves. He comes back. No, Vince really wants to rehearse this. I'm like, and now I'm pissed, right? Because now I've been on this bus for three hours, and now he wants to rehearse it. So, <laughs> so anyway, so now I'm pissed off, and now I'm, I'm I'm going into the arena, right? So I walk through the gorilla position where we come out on the show. Uh, onto the stage, and as soon as I walk out on the stage, I knew I'd had it, right? The whole, all the talent, everybody is setting up in the bleachers in one big section. Vince is at ringside, and like I stopped, and I was like, I didn't know what was about to happen, but I knew I'd been had. <laughs> so the, the, the arena goes dark. Uh, they start playing this package up on the Tron, right? And it's like, I don't remember what my record was that, at WrestleMania at that point, but we'll say he's 19-0 and 0 at WrestleMania. He's beaten this man. He's beaten this by this guy. But anyway, it was basically a, a, a trailer built up with all this footage and everything. But this year, The Undertaker meets his greatest match. 
and then all of a sudden they flash up on their a pic of the coat, right? And now they have all the footage from me trying to get out of the coat <laughs> at that Raw, at that 700th episode of Raw, right? And it's Undertaker versus the coat, WrestleMania, such. And I was like, oh, you son of a gun. And he did, like, there had to have been hours and hours. That's a of long man, man hours to yeah. put this thing together. That's right. A I mean, it, it looked like one of our normal packages for one of the buildups, right? <laughs> and he is just laughing like a little kid at the at the down there at ringside and I was like, You no good son of a bitch. So I went charging after him. So here's this this multi billionaire running through the arena with this six foot nine, three hundred pound guy chasing him, the whole crew laughing their ass off. And he did that all of that just so he could rib me. I mean just and believe me, that's just one example of the things that yes that he's done to me. Well, but well, uh Mark, yeah. I, I'm not trying to dirt sheet you here, but I have it on authority from two people on the inside that Vince likes his steak well done with mustard. Please tell me that's not true. That's not manly, Mark. The, the, tell, the damn Undertaker doesn't need a well done steak. Come on. I, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how the mustard part is true. I don't know how the the, the temperature of the meat. I have no idea, but <laughs> I do. I've seen that man put mustard on shit that I just. I was like, what's wrong with you? Uh, all right, that well, must be some kind of billionaire thing because I, I don't know what kind of – nobody puts mustard on steak, man. Well, when you've been that successful, you can eat you can eat it however you want. But, uh, look, you mentioned – <laughs> you, you talked about the streak there briefly when you're telling that story, and obviously that's something that, that is uh, iconic with your career. I've heard you say in a couple of interviews that, you know, the decision – to, to lose to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30 was something that went back and forth. You arrived at the Superdome thinking you're going over, and then, of course, it got changed. I'm more curious, when it comes to something like that, I mean, look, it's, it's you know, we can argue to our, to our deathbed whether you ever should have lost, but how short is that list of opponents that you would have been okay with in that Brock Lesnar spot to be, you know, to go 21-1 and against you? Well, here's the thing. Uh, ultimately, look, uh, ultimately the streak, um, I mean, obviously that's one of the greatest accomplishments of my career. And, you know, I'll be synonymous with my legacy. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to do what Vince wants me to do. Uh you know, he created the Undertaker. He gave me the opportunity. Um, could I have made a power play? Yeah, but I mean, seriously, what good was that going to do? Um, I mean, it was just what kind of precedent does that send? Um, you know, I, it just it just wouldn't have been right. Obviously, Brock, you know, Vince's mindset. Like if if it's not Brock, then who? And my biggest concern was I just wanted to make sure that he was he was sure being Vince that that's what he wanted to do. Um, you know, I I didn't feel like Brock needed it. Um, you know, Brock was already a huge star, and you know wasn't going to help him one way or another. Um, my only concern was there might have been someone down the line that could have benefited from it more. Um, and that probably being Roman later on, I mean, that's hindsight being 2020. Um, but if I was going to get beat by somebody, well, you know, Brock was, you know, <laughs> Brock was a guy that had the credentials, I think to do it. And, 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 um, and people were like, okay, well, shit, that's Brock Lesnar. And, um, but, uh, that was my biggest deal. I just, I just, you know, uh, wanted to make sure that he was, you know, that's really what he wanted to do. And it thought it through, you know, cause like I said, we had gone back and forth and, you know, depending on the day it was, you know, it was, <laughs> it changed, it changed very, you know, but it'd been that way for about a week and I showed up and, you know, showed up thinking I was going over and found out about one o'clock that I wasn't. And, uh, you know, 
it is what it is. Aside from the unfortunate concussion and the way that that match played out for you, is there anything about that whole transaction that you regret? Um, no, no, not really. I mean, I, I, I did my job and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I would have, you know, obviously you don't, you can't call when you're going to get a concussion or anything. You know, obviously I wish I'd have, I'd have had my, my wits about me so that the match would have been, uh, you know, the match would have been obviously a little better and I could have, I could have put a little bit of more, uh, you know, emotion into it and, and made it, you know, I would have, could have made it a little more special, but, uh, there's nothing I could do about obviously getting a, a concussion. Um, but you know, it, that's business. So that's the way I look at things. Uh, can you confirm or deny, because look, you're the locker room leader, you protected the character. We all believe you're a 6'10 badass. I mean, I don't doubt that at all. But whenever wrestlers are asked on who's the real shooter, everybody says Haku. Can you confirm that this gentleman was the real above anyone else if if Ish went down? If if, the, if it went down, uh, yeah, I would definitely want to be in Haku's corner. Um, <laughs> Haku's all man, brother. I'm telling you. He could definitely be alone if he wanted to be. Um, <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, he's legit one of the baddest people I've ever, a gentleman, I mean, just a tremendous man, kind, humble, but uh, you screw with him and uh, it's not going to turn out good. Absolutely. I don't think, uh, yeah, by far, uh, he's a bad, bad man. All right, I got to close with this, Mark, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. I wish I had more time. I would have told you, by the way, that your CM Punk streak match, incredibly underrated, by the way. It's up there with Shawn Michaels and Triple H, so congrats on that great piece of business. But enjoyed me- that. Yeah, I enjoyed that match. Uh, um, I, 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 I enjoyed working with Punk. Um, I, I wish things had worked out differently for him. I really do. Absolutely. Let's close with this. The doc, and I haven't seen it all. Obviously, we're waiting. You know, episode four coming out June 14th. We can't wait. Uh, it's all about you trying to find the perfect ending. When's the right time to step away? All that. Uh, what's the perfect coda for The Undertaker? Has it happened yet? Is it something you're planning? How does this great career and this great story end? Um, you know, I, I... Right now, I just I, I don't know. Obviously, I, I want to go out. I want to go out with a match uh, on you know, on on a big stage with a performance that you will think that is the Undertaker that I've that I've known and I've watched for thirty years. I want to you know just I, I want to I just want to be at that level where people say why why on earth are you retiring. You know, why are you retiring? There's so much left in the tank. And um, I, I think, um, you know, I think that match is, is is still in me. And I think I can deliver it. And I think once once that match is is there, I think I can I can I can walk away and um, and and be happy. My world is. Um, you know, this doc has, has really changed my perspective too on a lot of things. And, and, and the doc isn't, by the way, it's not finished. The last episode isn't finished yet. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's just personally, it's a personal thing. Um, I don't think I have anything left to prove to anyone. Uh, this is an internal thing and I have, and I have, in my mind, I've envisioned uh, my exit, and yeah, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to find that exit. Well, congrats on everything, the doc, the great match with AJ, everything. I just want to close and say thank you for for giving us, you know, fans, journalists, everybody, a chance to really get to know you. It's been fantastic, Undertaker, the last ride, Mark Calloway, a true legend. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate the time.
Oh, hell yeah. Look, special thanks, of course, to the Silver King for hooking this up, WWE PR. Uh, you get 30 minutes with Taker. You can go in a million directions, but you're happy to be there. I could have gone, like I mentioned, uh, so many places. You didn't even get into Bone Street Crew or whatever the heck he's got that uh, tattoo on his midriff. But, uh, man, did I like that. Absolutely. Uh, I-, I love the real man, so to speak. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, that got weird. Um, I've got so much respect for Mark Calloway. Never knew him. None of us did before this. And um, the the honesty he showed. I, you know, I meant when I said that the last dance with Michael Jordan would would not have been anything more than a oh let's relive the playoff series I already watched. Unless you're getting salty, Mike, just just dropping deuces on everybody. Uh. It's a little different with Mark Calloway, but if he didn't grant us this, you know, cameras in gorilla with him and Vince, you know, ribbing each other or him being that real and tough on himself that, you know, he he's having trouble coming to terms with, you know, something that anyone who's had a successful career in something does how to step away, how how to go out on his own terms, how to. How to do it right. And, you know, yeah, I could sit here and say, man, he should have just left after 33. Storyline-wise, it was the perfect ending. But, uh, you know, now, now I see a lot more of that story and what it means to him, what it means to Vince to to have Taker in the bullpen and have the trust in that relationship. And, uh, you know, I, I'm thankful that that crew was there for a lot of those ups and downs that this series is showing us from the debacle, the debacles in, Sa- in Saudi to some to, to the rise in the comeback at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans to see Taker get back into that great shape. Yeah, they only gave him a you know, handful of minutes with Cena. But, you know, in that moment, not being a huge Taker mark, I didn't get to really appreciate that for him. I was sort of going, why are we doing a three-minute <laughs> unscheduled Taker match against Cena? If you're going to do it, do it. And, you know, in hindsight, watching the doc, you saw that. He he wished he could have gone 30, 45 minutes, whatever. But I respect so much the journey that he went through to get back into the shape post-surgery just to be... Just to be happy with leaving if he, you know, if he was going to leave after that, which he didn't, of course, you know, on his own terms. He may never find that sweet spot. And that was a key part of that interview, that final question. I'm not sure he knows, A, if there really is a perfect way to go. He could go right now after the AJ Styles Boneyard match and we'd all be like, that's the perfect goodbye. That was perfect. I'm, I'm, I believe that he doesn't know what the perfect ending is. I also believe that he may never find it. I mean, you saw how close he came in the in the Goldberg match in Saudi to to physical disaster. You know, wrestling may retire him before he retires from it. Obviously, we 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 hope for the uh, you know we hope that it doesn't come down to anything like that. But I respect him being so open on letting us see the decision making that goes into this. He's got too much invested to just on a whim go. That's it, right? This isn't boxing or MMA where, you know, the sport retires you easier because if you just don't have it, you don't have it. Um, You know, him working once or twice a year is always going to give him the chance to feel good, get, you know, get surgery, work out and sort of get ready for that moment. I hope that moment doesn't keep going on, but I do want him to find that perfect ending because if he left after the Lesnar match at 30, yeah, it would have been perfect. If he left after Roman, storyline-wise, would have been perfect. Um, I hope he can find the absolute full-circle storyline. Maybe it's maybe it's Bray Wyatt. You know, th- what was interesting about that conversation was asking him that question of, you know, he didn't really answer it. I essentially said, you know, if, if not Brock, who else would you have approved? And he did say Roman. He said, say, maybe it was better to save the ending of the streak for somebody who needed it more. And I respect that, like a Roman Reigns. What if they had saved that until WrestleMania 33? Roman breaks the streak. I mean, that's that's genius storytelling. I wonder, though, what he thought of Bray at that point. And look, I had 30 minutes with him, but you only get so many bullets in that chamber in terms of what you're going to ask him and which direction it will go and how long he'll answer. And, and that's a science to itself, managing an interview. And, you know, you always have regrets afterwards. Man, I should have said this. I should have asked this. I do wonder, although we did see Taker and Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 31, it uh, wasn't a great match, you know? I don't know whose fault that was. It wasn't a great match, you know? certainly wasn't the CM Punk match. That match at uh, 29 was fantastic. But The Fiend... 
The Fiend, right? The Fiend. Maybe that's the way to go out. I don't know. Or knowing WWE, maybe that is the way to go out with Taker on top and The Fiend doing the job again. Oh, God. Um, I will say, though, that to to kind of weave the Taker storyline into my own as a fan, um, I was harsh. I was very harsh on this guy through the years. I I, I thought, you know, wrongfully he was a – a bit of a compiler, someone who hung around, even though I certainly respect him as potentially the greatest character, right? Because he protected that character so much, the greatest character of all time. I don't think I gave him the credit, though, for his evolution through the years of American Badass and the other sort of slight sidesteps to just kind of help his character change with the times, and that's a big part of his longevity. So is just being a badass, being a pain-tolerant guy and, you know, for being an incredible partier. And he certainly has that reputation to be able to last that long and be last that long as a locker room leader and still go through the excess and come out on the other side. Um, you got to respect it, you know, uh, you know, he was never really the guy in the company, but I, I don't anymore sort of hold that against him when you're comparing him with the other greats. Look, he's never going to be better in my eyes than the true creme de la creme of of the Flair, Hogan, Austin, Rock, who, you know, guys who are, look, that's the face of your company. Maybe Roman gets there. Maybe you think Cena's there. Uh, that's the damn face of your company. But he filled a different role. He was the backbone of the company. He was, you know, so so you're a little bit more of a B-side than an A-side in reality, or you're a secondary A-side, right? Because every WrestleMania had the main event, and then it had the Taker main event. But, um... You know, he's done things that so many people never will, never could. And, uh, and you know, in hindsight, him protecting kayfabe that long in an era where, you know, everything's overexposed. Because we wanted it to be that overexposed. You know, we were hungering for it. The Attitude Era gave us that peek behind the curtain, and we just kept wanting more. And, you know, now it's too much. But he fought the good fight, and I'm glad that he picked a time and came to terms with that time where now that he really realizes that, you know, it's going to be over. Whether he does one more match, two more matches, no more matches. It's going to be over. He does have to transition to life after wrestling and making appearances and being able to make a secondary income through that is important. Autograph signings, acting, whatever. So uh, I I have no, I've come around, man. I love me some Mark Calloway. Okay. And, you know, obviously, uh, he filled such a huge role and I respect his early rise and the great, you know, cheesy cartoonish early nineties WWF of, of the impact he had then just as much as I respect him in that attitude era, you know, the, the feud with Kane, the, the ministry of darkness, that whole thing, just as much as I respect what he did in the late two thousands where, you know, the beginning of the second half of his career, he did his best work. He had his absolute best matches deep into his career. That four pack in a row that he loves, that everybody loves. Shawn Michaels one, Shawn Michaels two, and then the second and third Triple H matches in four consecutive years at Mania. I mean, put those four matches up against anybody's at Mania. You know, the fact that he could be that big and that old and put on those matches is is incredible. So I, I respect that. The only thing I hadn't respected was the, the hang on too long era. The, okay, I'm here to make an appearance, but like at Raw 25, that appearance didn't really make any sense. What are you saying? Why are you here? Why is Bray Wyatt dragging you backstage and then nothing happens with that angle? Um, You know, a couple of those moments I didn't love, but I think this turn, this, this, this is almost like a face turn, a real-life face turn. This real-life face turn to let us in is, you know, one of my favorite parts of who he is in his career. And, you know, how that leads up to whatever he has in mind for an exit, for a final match, for a final angle. I'm in. You know, and it, you know, see, look, we all hated the builds to Saudi. We all hated the Saudi cards. And I think we did for rightful reasons, especially back then when I was podcasting and recapping every week and just living it as a fan. They actually told a decent story in the bill, you know, in that whole run. And the documentary shows you this of of it's going to be Triple H taker for the last time. And then we're going to do a rematch, but involve the Brothers of Destruction against DX. I just hated, of course, like everyone else, that it was a in Saudi of all places that that they're only sort of doing it for the money, it seems. And then B, you know, t- the, the matches kind of stunk. It went on too long. 
I don't know if I want to see Bald Sean after waiting that long. You know, I don't want to see Taker with a pulled pack. I don't know if I want to see Kane and Taker, you know, 30 years later in the year of our Lord, so to speak. Nick, Nick Costos um, putting on matches like that. Uh, where are you, Nick? Are you here? Are you still here? You still in our lives, NK? We're, I still have I still have you somewhere out there. In this Campbell podcast. Thank you. Not only did he not win it, I felt that he lost it. He lost it indeed. Uh, but yet in hindsight, those are pretty good stories. You know, he could have retired after those two. But if he's going to come back in for anything more than one more Boneyard match, I want a real story. I want The Fiend and Bray Wyatt involved. I want a real friggin' story that ends with an epic match. Could you imagine... From everything we loved about Mania, and this Mania this year was weird, empty arena, all that, but we loved the Boneyard match with Taker and AJ, and we loved the, the House of Horrors or Firefly Funhouse match, whatever. Imagine if you put those two together. Next year's Mania. Yeah, that works. It works, folks. It works. It works for me. Let's tell a good story. Bray versus Taker. We'll forget the first one happened. Fiend, all that. Let, let's let's do that. That's the way to go out. I, I think you, you can also protect, as you saw in the Boneyard match, it's not like you need to send Taker out there like he did against Roman and, you know, let's do 28 minutes and let's go on too long. No, you can film that the right way to really protect him. That's the right way to do it. I hope that's his end game. Along with, you know, appearance here and there. He's probably always going to be in that role. But uh, I'm glad he did this for us, the fans for himself, for peace of mind, for his family and his kids and grandkids to be able to look back. Uh, this was just, you know, not to get too sentimental, but this was a special thing, him doing this Undertaker, the last ride doc. So uh, check out episode four on June 14th. Uh, key key reveal from there is that we're not done yet. We're not done with this series. They're, they're still making it, apparently, as we speak. So that is pretty damn interesting if, if, if it can go on for a year and add new episodes and end, you know, with some giant ending. We all like a happy ending, Bobby. So thank you so much. Um, let's talk wrestling. You want, you want to talk a little wrestling? Now that we're not week to week anymore, uh, you know, I never got any kind of uh, red and black pot off the, off the ground. Uh, I was burnt. You know, I was burnt when uh, boxing and MMA were red hot when 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 my time as a wrestling podcaster came to an end. Obviously, it was you know, never expected that the quarantine would hit and we'd all sort of go, oh, wow, <laughs> WWE is the only game in town. Um, you know, I'm never going to turn corporate on you. I'm just curious. When the hell did you turn so corporate? But, uh, you know, I, I don't love what I see in Ron Smackdown. I had to come back into it a little bit. Uh, during the quarantine before UFC came back, it, you know, even at CBS Sports HQ, we were covering it. We we're doing video recaps, WrestleMania recaps and all that. While WrestleMania was good, you know, that that translation to the empty arena, they just haven't figured it out on Raw or SmackDown. And then when you add in the things we already don't like or I don't like or my style of fan fanaticism doesn't like, it's a tough watch. I don't like it at all. I mean, SmackDown already stunk back when we had crowds in there when they went to Fox and it's not getting any better. And even though Raw could be, you know, good here and there, it was never great. I, I just didn't like this this era, this version of storytelling or presentation. And while NXT was, you know, friggin' fantastic in 2018, 19, I mean, look, you know, I, I again, as much as I look back, and I do, and you hear that you used to hear me talk about it all the time, I look back on 2015 NXT as like, that was my time, man. That was everything I want out of it. 2018 and 2019 blew it away. The Gargano and Champa era, the Adam Cole era, the storytelling, the performances. It was amazing. Um, from what I've seen of late, I, 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 it's, it's not speaking to me anymore like that. I don't know if that's the quarantine. I don't know if it's once it launched week to, you know, being a live every week thing. Did that change? I didn't think it would change it for the worse, but did it? Did that change it for the worse? Did that immediacy change it? I don't know. I mean, they came out strong initially with with, with great stuff, but maybe it's just the, the tune of who I am as a fan. Maybe it's because I've wanted somebody to rise up with competition. Maybe it's because I'm so burnt out on the, the scripted era in WWE's overall style of over-scripting things on the main roster where when an AEW rises, I'm more apt to cheer for them and want it to succeed and tolerate things that aren't great off the start. 
And while AEW was, you know, somewhat hit or miss in their first year after launching, um, I really liked it. But to be honest, after taking a couple months off, now when I go back and my, my, my great buddy on CBS Sports, Jack Crosby, is encouraging me, and I go back and I watch AEW again, it's great. It speaks to me. They know how to do the empty arena stuff without even feeling like it's empty. Uh, they ju- there's just that vibe and edge, and maybe it's just overall. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I had Jim Ross on this pod. Maybe it's just the fact that everybody is being allowed to to find out who they are and be who they are, which is how wrestling was when we came up, and that's why we fell in love with it. And it just has that purity that even when it's average, I love it. I can't stop watching it. Anything can happen, you know, and I do an MMA pod, of course, on the state of combat with Rashad Evans. So to see him two weeks ago, come out with Mike Tyson and Henry Cejudo and Vitor Belfort. Like, it wasn't great, but it was awesome. You know, it was like it was just something different in in, in you. You could do the ABC. If WWE did that, you would have crapped on it. Well, it, it, it tastes differently. Right. You ever um, you ever go on a cruise? I've said this analogy before, but, you know, by the fourth day, everything tastes the same. It's all the same ingredient base, right? You ever eat at the cafeteria at a hospital every day for a week or, you know, in school? It all tastes the same in the end. WWE tastes the same. Unfortunately, even NXT, when I tune in, it tastes the same. AEW is different, and I'm loving it. And when this hero, Cody, can come out and give 10 out of 10 promos every week, and then this past week, just Blade in a match with Jungle Boy to defend the TNT title. This guy's blading during a quarantine on a regular week. Like, just, this is the 80s. It's back. I love it. This is exactly what I need. And you know what I needed as a fan? I needed this overall break. I, I can't I can't week-to-week pod WWE anymore or recap or, you know, it's, it's just not speaking to me as a fan anymore. And that's fine. Here's what it is. Some people can. The the SK, the Adam Silverstein. Guy loves WWE. He's got a podcast of his own. The guy will give you the breakdown every single day of the damn week. All right? Where is he? Are you on this board anymore? Let me tell you, let me tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. <laughs> he loves the WWE. Wow, wow that was gross. Um I, I like I like the revolutionary meat. And it's been great. I'm not here for the money. I already got the money. I'm here because I believe in doing something different. I believe in doing something new. It's what I've always done my entire career. I am a maverick. I am an outlaw. I am a pariah. I am Chris Jericho, baby. Yes. Thank you, Le Champion. They're they're just doing, you know, they're doing something different there, and I'm loving it. So uh, I'm getting back into the groove. I crack beers on Wednesday nights, and I watch it, and I uh, send messages to Jack Crosby the whole time, and it's great. So uh, that's my wrestling journey at the moment. Maybe it'll change. Maybe I'll get back in day to day, week to week, but something's got to change for that to change me, right? It's up to us as a people to start making some changes, change the way we eat, change the way we treat each other. You know, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. Hold this for me, all right, turkey tits? Thank you, MV- MJF, MVP, MJF, whatever. Um, thank you very much. Um, and thank you. Thank you to, uh, to The Undertaker for being real. For showing up on our show, CBS Sports State of Combat podcast, for being candid. Love it. Needed it. Love it. Okay? You don't see Hulk Hogan doing that, all right? We've been hanging and banging, brother. You know, Hulk Hogan doesn't tell the truth, ever. <laughs> ever. That, the history of Hulk Hogan, there's no truth. So, uh, you know, it is what it is right there. But we're going to stuff it down your throat so hard that you're going to enjoy this. You're going to feel it. Adam, I felt it. Did you feel it? I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. I haven't felt it in a while. Um, but that's it. That's the show. Uh, follow at State of Combat on Twitter for all your boxing MMA needs. Once in a while, we'll we'll tickle the uh, pro wrestle hole as well. Uh, you know, get over, get on over to the Get Over Pod with the Adam Silverstein if that's your thing. Okay, um, and uh, keep living. We can get through this. All things will pass, but. I think if the last uh, week craziness has shown us anything is that major changes are needed in our society and how we talk to people, think about people, treat people, look at people, all that. And I'm hoping that that's the greater good that comes out of this. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. All right. This is your boy, BC. Um, 
He, he loves revolutions. So now the forbidden door is closed. But I don't think it needs to be closed. No, I love revolutions. Let's open that door, okay? Okay? Let's do it. Um, my name is Brian Campbell, and I approve this podcast. And I've got two words for you. I don't care. You come in my face, I'm going to fight you. Okay, that wasn't the direction I was going. Um, I've got two words for you. I am sick and tired of playing around with kids. Okay, Lex, wasn't going there either. I've got two words for you. I'm going to have to apologize ahead of time because I'm going to stretch his ass like it's never been okay, stretched. Okay, not those words, but I got two for you. And tell A. Blanchard, you can't run and hide from me anymore. And when we come to Philadelphia this time, there's going to be no mistaking what's going to happen. I'm going to come on you like nobody's ever come on you before. Oh, my God. No. Silver King, come on down. He's not here. I've got two words for you. One of the best guys you'll ever meet. Huge hog. Those last two. Those last two were true. But uh, you know what? You know what? Hey, Mysterio, not sucking on anybody. We out. That's it. That's it. I can't. We out. That's it. I can't do it. We're out of here. Yeah. The ultimate thrill ride is your last ride. Thank you.